happy birthday to the She Reads Truth community. Y'all, we are turning 10 years old this week. We are unbelievably grateful for the work that God has done in our hearts, in the hearts of men and women, in the Word of God every day for 10 years. I cannot believe it. Amanda? Happy birthday. Y'all, Double digits. I, so I will intro this episode by saying happy birthday and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast where we open our Bibles and we talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And this is our second and final week of our series called This is the Gospel, where it's just what the title indicates. We are talking about the gospel. What is it and what does it mean for us? And our guest this week, Dr. Don Payne, brought so much more um, both clarity and fullness, I think, to my own understanding of the gospel. And I'm so thankful. I'm excited for you all to hear this episode. Dr. Payne is a professor and a dean at Denver Seminary, a very smart man who is also very good at communicating this essential part of our faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't wait for you all to hear this. Let's get right to it. Dr. Payne, welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. Thank you. Great to be with you. <laughs> we are so, so thankful that you accepted our invitation to come talk about the gospel. Yes, week two of This is the Gospel. But before we talk about that, last week, just to catch everyone up, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I really encourage you to mm-hmm. go ahead and listen to that because this really is a two-part series, and you really do need the first part to appreciate the second. So uh, Also, it's... Part of the gospel. It's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's the, yeah. For that reason. So last week, we spent five reading days and one podcast hour looking at what Scripture tells us about creation of man and how it was good mm-hmm. <laughs> and how God saw it. And all it was, creation. And all creation yeah. was good and right and true and beautiful. And then we read about sin and the consequences of sin. And so I really do encourage you to listen to that episode. But we kind of left off with the problem of sin and that we cannot save ourselves. And so this week we are—and I love that—I like— we did not plan it this way, Amanda, but uh-huh. this week on June 1st, so on Wednesday, will be She Reads Truth's 10th birthday. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just think it's really, really sweet mm-hmm. that, like— The work that God has done over the last 10 years and the work of restoration through His Word, through the women and men who have read along with us for 10 years, Mm -hmm. it's sweet that we're getting to read about that while celebrating our 10th birthday. It really is. And what you just said, we didn't plan it that way, is very characteristic of the way that, (laughs) that God has worked through this community of Bible readers around the world, is that you and I, Rachel, did not plan this. No. But God did. There's very little we can take credit for. And we have had a—what an adventure of walking through this journey and this story that He has written, Mm -hmm. and it's just such a privilege. And part of it is this, sitting down with fellow believers, our brother in Christ— and reading God's Word together and delighting in it. And yeah, I mean, the question of this week, Dr. Payne, is who's going to redeem us and how? I think one of the best answers ever given to that question was given centuries ago in, I think, the um, in the 4th century or late or 5th by St. Athanasius, who's one of the, what we call the Cappadocian fathers of the church. Athanasius was involved in uh, some of the most turbulent theological debates of of that time period over the nature of Jesus and whether Jesus was really, truly, fully God. And he, Athanasius had a wonderful statement against one of his, his opponents. He said, no creature can redeem another creature, mm. which is why it was necessary for Jesus to be fully God, fully one of us, just as human as we are, but fully God, because no creature can redeem another creature. And that's right. That's, uh, oh, I like that. I think that's the you know a great starting point for a conversation like this. Who who is who's the one who redeems us? Well, God redeems us, right? Because only that's God right. can redeem us. That's right. right. Let's get into this week's reading. I'm really excited. So we're starting this week in this section called redemption. And for this week, there are the two sections. Amanda, will you read for us 
Yeah, I, I almost want to back up, Rachel, and read the day titles because the way that this reading plan is structured, every yeah. reading day, so this is two weeks long, so there are 10, mm-hmm. it's every reading day... Uh, the titles actually tell the story. That's right. Um, from from a high level, so I'm actually going to back up and read last week's as well. So last week we read, we read these days. God created the heavens and the earth. God created humanity in His image. Humanity rebelled against God. All people are sinful by nature. We cannot save ourselves, and that's where we ended last week. Just mm-hmm. as just mm-hmm. as you stated, Doctor Payne. And this week, here's what we will be reading. Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave. Jesus calls us to repentance and faith. We are saved from death to life. Jesus secures our peace with God, and all creation will be restored. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And so we're starting here. If you're listening to this on Monday, we're starting with today's reading, which is Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave. The person and work of Christ. That's right. And we will be, no surprise, reading from the Gospels That's right. Today. Dr. Payne, would you talk to us as we talk about the person and work of Christ and as we go into reading that, why... I want to ask this after, but I also want to ask it before we read the Scripture. Why is it important that we understand the work of Christ, and what are the what is the work of Christ? That's a that's a pretty sweeping— Just a simple question. Yeah, a simple. Yeah, it's a pretty sweeping <laughs> question. Yeah, you want to go for the low-hanging fruit early, right? <laughs> um, yeah, why is it important we understand the work of Christ? Well, because there are— Lots of misconstruals, misunderstandings of the work of Christ. Lots of people think of the work of Christ as uh, mostly him going around doing good things, and then we need to kind of moralistically imitate him doing good things. But when we use that phrase, the work of Christ, we're talking about all that he did that rescues or saves us. That's right. And, And, of course, that gets... That gets sort of concentrated on the cross, his his death for sin. Mm-hmm. But it actually, you know, as we take a a hard, broad look at the scriptures, it actually goes beyond that. It certainly, again, it gets kind of culminated in some ways in the cross. But it's all that he did and all that he was that actually saves us fully, entirely. And there, there's a lot to unpack in that, but. There is a lot to yeah. unpack in that. But I appreciate that we can't just say that the cross saves us or that the resurrection we can, saves us. But we can. Yeah. We can say those things, but to to like I think what you're saying, Dr. Payne, is like that the complete work of Christ, his life yeah. and ministry, his, and life and earthly ministry, mm-hmm. his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, like all of those things matter all the way to what he is currently doing, right? Yeah. His, his heavenly ministry. Yeah, yeah, it does. And and we, there are numbers of passages in in the New Testament that refer to uh, those different aspects you mentioned as being part of our salvation. I mean, you mentioned the ascension. I don't want to get too far ahead of us here, but one key feature of the ascension of Christ is that now he ever, what Hebrew says, he he always lives to make intercession for us. And in that same text, it says, it's because of that he is able to save us completely. And go back to the resurrection. I mean, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? That if Christ died but did not rise, we're still in our sins. That's right. Yeah. So in that way, the resurrection is as crucial to our salvation as the cross. It's, it's a package. Yeah. They Each of those yeah, contribute to our salvation in somewhat different ways. Right. But each is essential to our yeah. Full redemption. Right. And that's a lot to pack into one reading day. And, and that's right. what we've accompl- like, sort of uh, attempted to do in day eight. You know, we've got the Matthew 15 passage that just briefly covers his life and earthly ministry. And then they're like little snapshots. They're little yeah. snapshots. Yeah. And I like that. And then, you know, the John 19, um, the crucifixion and Mark 16 resurrection and and so on. Yeah, let's read. Let's read some of these. Um, it feels like a, a good day to spend some spend a little time spend on. some reading on. Yeah. yeah, we'll begin. Let's begin in Matthew fifteen. I'll I'll start us off here. We're going to read verses twenty nine through thirty one. And as you said, Rachel, kind of a snapshot of mm-hmm. of Jesus' earthly ministry. 
Moving on from there, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain and sat there, and large crowds came to him, including the lame, the blind, the crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd was amazed when they saw those unable to speak talking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they gave glory to the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. As I was reading that, you know, I was feeling a, a sympathy for our team of <laughs> having to put, what's the title of this day? Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave. And we're going to cover that in a page and a little. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just knowing that, like, what a task. <laughs> but as I, I thought this was a, such a good selection, because as I was reading of, That's right. of how Jesus physically healed and restored real people mm-hmm. in his ministry, that's what he does for us, mm-hmm. you know, through our salvation. And it specifically kind of speaks to the marginalized, which we know, right. like, as so does... So central. As the marginalized does, are very central yes, in Jesus' ministry. And as does our salvation. Mm-hmm. It, it, we are the marginalized in that we are all dead in our trespasses, which we will read and later this week. from God. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I appreciated the Luke 18 passage, that line that said, everything that is written, this is Jesus talking to the 12. He said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. Mm -hmm. So he is like, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit as a community that Mm -hmm. Jesus is, you know, our true and better prophet, but also he is the fulfillment of the prophecies. Mm -hmm. The prophet and the prophecy. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's an especially daunting task to summarize (laughs) through passages of Scripture the crucifixion and the resurrection, and I feel like let's let's read that as well to honor that. Dr. Payne, would you be willing to read for us from John 19? We have verses 28 through 30 here. Yeah, certainly. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Because even that was a prophecy, right? Like even Mm -hmm. that was prophesied. Mm -hmm. It is finished. Those are are weighty words, Dr. Payne. Help us, like, yeah. Tell us how those three words are so weighty. Well, even though we said just a moment ago that there is more, including the resurrection, the ascent, there more mm-hmm. that goes into all that God does to save us through Jesus. It was something really pivotal, central that happened with his death. Mm-hmm. And the book of Hebrews kind of unpacks this for us in a lot of ways when it talks about his sacrifice being the one sacrifice that takes care of sin for all time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Every other sacrifice we read about in the Old Testament, particularly in like Leviticus, was anticipating what God would do to deal with sin once and for all. And when he says it is finished, again, as Hebrews puts it, there is no more sacrifice needed. Our sin in all of its dimensions, all of its gravity, all of its effects has been judged by God with finality. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is needed yeah. to deal with sin. Yeah. The ultimate and final sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that made. in the same way that we talked just now about Jesus being the prophet and the prophecy, he is also the mm-hmm. great high priest and the sacrifice. And the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think it's crucial when we're thinking about that in those terms to to realize that this establishes infinite dimensions to God's dealing with sin. And, I, you know, pastorally, I've found that to be pretty important for people whose personal experience is either what's been done to them or what they have done feels mm-hmm. to them like somehow it's outside the boundaries or outside the fences of God's willingness to forgive. You know, we, we talk about, oh, God will always forgive you. But, you know, people will often say, but you don't know what I've done. Right. And right. this kind of knocks down the fences. So there there are no boundaries to what God has done to we, deal with sin. We think we somehow have the power to disqualify ourselves. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. 
but we are powerless to disqualify ourselves. Like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty radical. Like that yeah. is that is as radical as it gets. And I mean, honestly, when we feel like we do disqualify ourselves or try to, it's pretty arrogant. You know, I don't think we mean it that way, mm-hmm. but to say like, no, no, mm-hmm. nice try. Yes. You know, like how, how it's, it's... It's both. It's like in that we cannot qualify ourselves. Right. We are not capable of right. that. We also are not capable right. of disqualifying ourselves. I think yeah. that sometimes we lean a little one way or lean a little the other, <laughs> but we have power over, over in either direction. Yeah. I also cheered a little when I read what they selected for Resurrection Morning when we see Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome coming to the to the tomb. And of course, Jesus wasn't there. Right. Verse and they are shocked and alarmed. It says they were alarmed. I think that's probably... I love that. Verse 5 says, verse 5 of Mark 16 says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. And he said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have found that the book of Romans has been so helpful as we like through this whole study. Like as yeah, we have no surprise, it is no such surprise. a good summary, right? It yeah. really <laughs> is, and I mean, really, so much of Romans—not even like one specific portion—but I feel like I've every time I see Romans on a reading day, I'm like, okay, like explain this for us. Come Paul. on, Paul, yeah. give us give us what yeah. we need here to put this together. I'll read that for us, and then we'll we'll have Dr. Payne help us out here, because there's a lot in these little verses. It really is. Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. That's so interesting, mm-hmm. just and good. Mm-hmm. Verse 8, but God proves His own love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified, there's one of our bold terms that we have mm-hmm. defined in the back of the book for us as a helper here. How much more then, since we have now been justified by His blood, will we be saved through Him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. I feel like I need a whiteboard. It feels like a flow chart, <laughs> you know, like help us out here, Dr. Payne. It feels like I need um, I need a flow chart here of how this happens. But that phrase, like, we will be saved by His life, yeah. I feel like that's kind of yeah, it, it, talk to us about symbolic that. about what you were saying earlier about like it's not just his death, yeah. but also his life. Yeah, I think we can we can maybe see a couple of features there in that that statement that mm-hmm. we, we will be saved by his life. Mm-hmm. And let me maybe challenge one that might be an easy go to for some folks. It's not. I mean, it, it kind of appeals to our moralism to think about we can be saved if we just imitate his life. If we're just really good like he was really good and do good things like he did, you know, it's sort of the moral exemplar motif. That's right. And yeah. that's, uh, yeah, certainly we we are called to, you know, walk in his steps, to love as he loved. And there is that, but that's not really what it means for us to be saved. When Paul says we're going to be saved by his life, I think what he has in mind of course, I'm trying to read his mind here, but I think what Paul <laughs> has in mind is uh, something related to the resurrection, yeah. that his life, the resurrected life, is the seedbed of our own hope for resurrection. And there's also something about his life that is the fullness of what it means to be created in God's image. Now, Paul really unpacks that in some of his other letters, Colossians and 1 Corinthians, where he speaks about Jesus as the image of God. And that's that's really significant. Now, this, this can get a little bit nuanced, but it's really significant because if you look in Genesis, which I know you all did recently, looking at creation mm-hmm. and humanity, when humanity 
as we are is referred to, it's said that we are created in the image of God. There's a significant preposition there. We're created in the image of God, which you could Ooh. also see as okay. you know, we're created kind of with reference to who God is or to be, that's our point of orientation. We're a reflection of, of God in some ways. People talk about that in a variety of ways. But every time Paul mm-hmm. talks about Jesus, he never says Jesus is in the image of God. He said Jesus is the image of God. That's yes. right. Yeah. In, in, in other words, everything that God intended humanity to be, that mm-hmm. we screwed up, Jesus is. And so to, to be reconciled into Christ, reconciled to God in Christ, through Christ, means that we now get life back in Christ because Christ is the image of God. So it's a connection. His life is, hmm. a, is a sort of a restoration of the life we were given and meant to have. And so what, what that does, I think it kind of blows out the dimensions or blows out the boundaries of salvation because salvation is not merely about getting a heaven ticket. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he, heaven tickets are great, you know. Yeah. But do you want to go to heaven when you die? Yeah, right. right? Well, yeah. you know, yeah, the obvious answer to that is yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. But but in so many cases the gospel has sort of stopped there that it's just about okay. yeah. you know getting your ticket punched. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't even come close to the full dimensions of what God is doing when God saves us or salvages us or rescues us. He's rescuing our humanness, our humanity. Yeah. He's giving us our yeah. lives back in Jesus. Jesus, as one of us, is fully alive to God, and he was fully alive to God on our behalf. In some sense, we kind of ride coattail on that. We, we get in on that, that game. a coattail I will ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that explanation because I've just I've never considered that angle before and that's such a that is so helpful and so powerful. Yeah. to especially having just read yeah. from Genesis 1. So when we read that phrase saved by his life, mm-hmm. like yes, his earthly life and ministry, yes, his resurrection and yes, his ongoing life and heavenly mm-hmm. ministry. That's right. Like yeah. you said, it's the package. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a response to make to yeah. this, mm-hmm. to this life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is our, our second uh, reading this week, which is day nine, Jesus calls us to repentance and faith. And I love that the first thing that we read on this uh-huh. day is an example of a human who super got it wrong, yeah. who is repenting. Yep. And so that we get to see, in fact, a human who was said to be a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. I want to. Can we read some of this? Absolutely. Okay, I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna read from Psalm 51. Y'all listening? Just mm. <laughs> this is um, Psalm 51 for the choir director, a Psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba, which what you just read is I don't know the term for it. What's the term for it? But the note at the top of the psalm that gives the context that yep. is present exactly yeah. yep. when mm-hmm. we have it. Yeah, starting in verse 1, David writes, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt." And then verse 10 says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving Mm -hmm. me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. I mean, it goes on. Y'all, 
It's a beautiful prayer of repentance. It's beautiful. I don't think I've ever noticed, um, and this may be the Ezekiel in my brain that we just read not long ago, (laughs) but then at verse 10 in the CSB, which is the version that we're reading from, that it says, create a clean heart for me, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm used to um, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew us, you know, so, but that for me, because, because I can't, I can't create my own clean heart. Right. Like I can't clean my own heart, but... Um, yeah, he doesn't say, God, I've cleaned up my heart. I've cleaned up my heart. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, um, that is beautiful. So, Dr. Payne, this moment of, or or this tension, I don't know if tension's even the right word, the reality that the work of Jesus was in a very real way finished on the cross, mm-hmm. like is, or our salvation was secured, mm-hmm. and also we have the invitation to turn to -hmm. God and to accept that salvation, to put our faith in Jesus. And there are a lot of ways that that Christians think about this, and there are different ways of viewing this. But help us find, like, the core of that, like the center of our salvation was secured by Jesus, and also we are invited to receive it. One way— that's been helpful to me to think about this is using mm-hmm. the the common phrase doing the heavy lifting. So okay. oh okay you know, when 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 Christ does his work for our salvation when he deals when God deals with sin through Jesus on our behalf God has done all the heavy lifting to reconcile mm-hmm. us. And we're called to respond to that. But it's not our response, it's not our repentance, it's not our faith as such that saves us. Mm-hmm. Now, That's some right. texts can kind of sound like that. I mean, you know, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1, it's by grace you're saved through faith. But even those prepositions, I think, are significant. God's grace is the instrument. It is by God's grace that we're saved. And we receive that or respond to that through faith. Faith and Well, you know, and he and, even and, follows that with... This not of yourselves. Yeah, it's not of yourselves. You didn't. You didn't do <laughs> yeah, this. So, so God no has God has done yeah. the heavy lifting. Now I say that because in some traditions, it's pretty common to put so much emphasis on our repentance, our faith, that we can kind of act as if it is our repenting that is saving us. It is our believing that's saving us. Now that's maybe got all the right language, but with the wrong accent marks, so to speak. Okay. okay, yeah. Because yeah. because what that does, what that does is sort of drive us internally. It makes the quality of our repenting and believing our point of reference. And then that becomes a sort of Protestant version of moralism that ends up subtly crushing us because then we're preoccupied with how well we're believing or how consistently we're believing or how accurately we're yeah. believing. And we become, yeah. again, in effect, kind of our own saviors in this really subtle, insidious way. So yeah. hmm. Paul really challenges that in something he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he makes this um, makes this sort of oddly constructed statement. He says, you've been reconciled to God, therefore be reconciled to God. And yeah. I, I was puzzling over that some years <laughs> wow, ago. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought, well, that's a strange way to say that. He says, you have been reconciled to God, therefore be reconciled to God. Well, I'm thinking, well, which is it, Paul? So yeah, I, yeah. I I checked this out in my Greek New Testament, and sure enough, he words it in the Greek text exactly as it comes across in most English translations. You have been reconciled to God, therefore, be reconciled to God. Hmm. So the the way I'm I'm thinking Paul means that is that God has done the heavy lifting. You God has reconciled us to Himself, mm-hmm. and on the basis of that, yeah, we're called to respond, even if our faith is quirky and erratic and inconsistent, <laughs> you know, imperfect in many ways, as it always is, the heavy yeah. lifting has been done by God. And we're just that is we're just responding to that. Yes. That's so helpful. I do not know how many times um, my younger self prayed to receive Jesus. <laughs> 
because the mm-hmm. emphasis was on the wrong syllable. Like it yeah. was on, the, it was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. It was, and this is this is no one's fault. You know, this is not someone. No one told me to do this over and over. Mm-hmm. But because I did not understand, and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay because the Lord was still working in my heart, and you know, and this was in um, perhaps a theologically improper way that I can now see, it was still my turning to Him, mm-hmm. you know, and this was still... But I, I just did not understand, the, as you so helpfully put, that like the heavy lifting had been done. Yeah. And so I, I did not understand that it was not my phrasing yeah. or, you know, the words that I used that did the saving, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> We have a new sponsor for the She Reads Truth podcast, Amanda. We do. Who is it? Tell me. Okay, this week's episode is brought to us by Athletic Greens. Have you heard of them? I'm going to be honest, I have not. Okay, well, listen, I started taking, it's called AG1 for two reasons. One, I wanted to have more energy. (laughs) Yeah, same. Same, same. (laughs) And number two, I've been hearing about it, and I've just been curious if it's worth the hype. Okay, so what's your review? So also, I will say I was super skeptical about the taste because I didn't want it to taste like... I mean, it is called Athletic athletic Greens. greens. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, my honest take is it tasted great. Like it really tastes good. Like it really I mean, did I'm not taste bad. I mean, I'm watching you guys. I'm looking at her face to make sure <laughs> she's telling me the truth. Not that she lies to me. She does not lie to me. But she said, you're telling me the truth I'm right now, I'm telling you the truth. Okay, and here's you. the deal. I was worried that it would taste healthy, which I don't know <laughs> if it's... But it doesn't. And somehow, like when something that's healthy tastes good, you're like, oh, that means there's uh-huh. a lot of sugar in it. Uh-huh. There is one gram of sugar per scoop. That's good. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I check sugar on a lot of things, and I feel like one gram is, you're rocking. Okay, good. so for our friends like Amanda, who mm-hmm. haven't mm-hmm. heard about Athletic Grains, yes. here's the deal. One scoop of AG1 added to eight ounces of water in the morning. You could do six ounces if you want. but Yeah, I mean, eight ounces is small. Like, that's not much. It's still not bad. So a yeah. glass of water in the morning, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. <laughs> I want that. I want that. That sounds great. Listen, I love efficiency, so I love that in one scoop, I am supporting my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, hallelujah, my energy, my recovery, my focus, and aging. Okay, I'm in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, no, I'm in. <laughs> you, yeah. you interested me in energy, and you sealed the deal at aging. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we obviously love to talk about beneficial habits here on the She Reads Truth podcast, and AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. Right now, Athletic Greens invites our listeners to reclaim their health and arm their immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. And I love this especially because my vitamin drawer is out of control. <laughs> so if I can do one thing instead of a hundred things, I am in. Sign me up. All right. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give our listeners, listen to this, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Wow. A whole year. And five free travel packs with their first purchase. That feels like a win. Okay. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash truth. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash truth to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. As you may have heard, She Reads Truth is celebrating a big birthday this year. It is our 10th birthday, and to celebrate 10 years of reading God's Word together, we are joining the movement to get Scripture translated, not just into our language. We've got it, but we're getting it translated into every language for every person on earth. Oh, that makes me so happy. What a good birthday present. Okay, I didn't know, Rachel, I don't, you may have known, I did not know that there are more than 1 billion, with a B, people around the world with little or no access to Scripture in their language. But now, thanks to Illuminations, which is an organization that links the arms of various Bible translation organizations around the world, we have the opportunity to help end Bible poverty by the year 2033. In our lifetime. Lord willing. That's incredible. Yeah. On average, y'all, it costs $35 to translate one verse of scripture. So if you want to join Amanda and me and the She Reads Truth community in a big 
birthday push and a way to say thank you for the fact that we have scripture in our language. Mm -hmm. If you want to join us, you can give a one-time gift or you can sign up for the 12 verse challenge to give $35 every month for a year. And that funds 12 verses of scripture into a brand new translation. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Okay. We have a goal of having 1,000 women, 1,000 of you donate with us. We're donating too. I think it's going to be 5,000, but sure. We'll We're, start with 1,000. Our stretch goal is 5,000. Our heart goal is 5,000. <laughs> and be part of the generation that helps translate scripture for every people group around the world. Will you join us? Will you help us celebrate God's faithfulness to this community of Bible readers by making it possible for more women and men around the world to be Bible readers? To be in the Word of God every day. That's right. Here's how you do it. You go to 12vc.com slash she reads truth. That is 12vc.com slash she reads truth to be a part of the movement. You're going to see it moving. We say movement because we mean it. You're going to see numbers going up because y'all are amazing and y'all are thankful and y'all are giving and generous and and taking the good news of Christ to the ends of the earth. Let's go. Let's go. Last week, we we said this, and I want to say it again, that the gospel is actually extremely simple. That's right. And it is also extremely complex. And mysterious. And mysterious. Yeah. And, and so while it can be communicated in like the four words, you know, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, like, or in like you just read for us, like those 10-day those titles, like, mm-hmm. or in the scripture that we're reading here, or in the whole of scripture, the testimony of the saints, there is, mm-hmm. we just like to plumb the depths mm-hmm. of the reality and the depths and the complexities of the gospel and still be learning until the day we meet Christ face to face, it makes me really thankful (laughs) for scripture. And so that even, you know, as we as we sit and read and talk together and unpack and, and understand a little bit more and a little bit more, it also matters to me to say that, you know, when you said like, you know, younger Amanda didn't understand what Amanda now understands. Right. But that didn't change that the gospel was for her. That's right. And and uh, and it is has like the gospel has to be as simple as, you know, a believer just saying, like, I need Christ. And it's that um that Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. It has to be that simple, and yet it is like the gift of God that we get to grow in our understanding of everything that means. That's the invitation. And for those of you who have um, your study books or your digital study books, whichever, there is at the back of this book, as we were creating it, we were like, we want a place in our book called This is the Gospel that really does call mm-hmm. every reader to confess and to mm-hmm. repent and and to have that opportunity. And also, you know, of course, Amanda mentioned earlier that there is the glossary of terms that hopefully helps. Mm-hmm. But I really want to encourage you, study book or no study book, to use, you know, Psalm 51, if you like, as a model for mm-hmm. a repentance prayer. I mean, our church, every Sunday, we take time, we get on our physical knees and we mm-hmm. repent and confess and we also receive the assurance of pardon. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something for um, non-believers to do for the first time, and it is for believers to do with great regularity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really Amen. never get past the need to say, Lord, have mercy on me. On me. I'm a sinner. Amen. Abs- yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on to day 10, we are saved from death to life. I, I'm sorry. I'm celebrating right now that day 10 is the 10th birthday of Shiri's <gasps> Truth. Is it actually? It's actually the 10th birthday. And like the, the day title is called We Are Saved from <laughs> Death to Life. I just, nobody plans that. I just high fived the Lord yeah. in there. What a, I think it's just so sweet and so hope filled. And to read a passage that we read so early on in our journey as a Shiri's Truth mm-hmm. community from Ephesians chapter two, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God because of his great love, made us alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whoo. Yeah, I mean, we have, so we are saved from death to life, and it's right there in that verse, Rachel, where we get the how. Like, you are saved by grace. Yeah. Which is so frustrating sometimes and also freeing. <laughs> it's all the things. Yeah. 
the thing that I have struggled with as a believer is that, you know, even that line, he made us alive. Mm-hmm. And to kind of ask, well, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean? Because I am I am alive. I already was. And, and so what does he mean by made us alive? And I know that, you know, I think back with my Ezekiel hat and remember that we were called to, to really live. But what does that mean, Dr. Payne, that he made us alive? Well, again, we can put that against the backdrop of uh, Genesis. Think about what happened in Genesis 3. Before then, God says, you know, if you eat the forbidden fruit, the day you do that, you'll die. Well, the day they did that, they did not physically die that day. But something changed in their relationship with God. They became dead to God in a sense, not, not not in that sense that God says, you're dead to me, you know, and I'm, I'm, right, but they, right. they became unresponsive to God. And so death, being dead to God for them was that they no longer lived in a trusting, responsive relationship to God. Um, yeah. and, and really we see that in the temptations, uh, you know, at the core of the temptations that were presented were to cast doubt on whether God had really spoken on whether God was really trustworthy, whether God was really good. Just think about the way those temptations were presented. You know, hey, you know that God knows that if you eat this fruit, you're going to be like God. And he knows that. He's holding out on you. So what does that do? That's just calling God's goodness and trustworthiness into, into question. And that becomes then the posture of humanity that we just fundamentally don't trust God or don't think God is good or, or worthy of being trusted. And that's, um, that's the condition from which we have to be reconciled. That's, that's spiritual death. Even if people have spiritual sensibilities, you know, which a lot of people do, they consider themselves very spiritually interested, very spiritually tuned in people. That doesn't mean that we know God as who God really is and trust God. Right. I think a lot of ways we use those terms now is that it means we think that we know ourselves. Yeah. That that, is, oh, that yeah. can be a definition of, of being spiritually awake. Yeah, I also noticed right. that in that Ephesians 2 passage, it says that he made us alive, but it's, there's no punctuation. It says made us alive with Christ. Not like with mm-hmm. Christ because he too is alive, mm-hmm. um, that there's a life that's shared with him. Yeah. Yeah. First Peter, similarly, Rachel, there are those those prepositional phrases are really <laughs> important. We get in First Peter uh, chapter one, verse three: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, mm. and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So it's a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mm. I'm glad you picked mm-hmm. up on those prepositions. They really are significant. There's, If you read Scripture carefully, there's a lot of theological gunpowder in prepositions. <laughs> yeah. If we, if we know how yeah. to pay attention to them. So we're saved in Christ. We become alive to God in Him. And this is where the humanness mm-hmm. of Jesus comes into play. That's right. Because it is God saving us through Christ, but He is saving us as one of us. In other words, He offers yes. to the Father the kind of the trusting, uh, responsive submission that we were designed for, that we don't oh, yeah. do. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question um, from this reading day for you, Dr. Payne, and I actually marked this because I really wanted to ask you. From Romans chapter 3, there's that familiar verse, uh, verse 23, that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But verse 25 says, God presented Him as the mercy seat by His blood through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. Can you help us understand what what is the mercy seat and why is that significant? The mercy seat is, you know, it's, it's um, and this is going to be really kind of rough and crude here because that's this is not my wheelhouse, but, you know, that mercy seat, 
is just that center of the sacrificial system where sacrifices were were made and where God's mercy is shown. Now, again, a true Old Testament scholar is going to nitpick me to death on that, but that, it, it's <laughs> it's that place where where people were able to experience the mercy of God because sacrifices, at least in a preliminary or an anticipatory way, were offered for sin. And I think what Paul's getting at there is that Christ is both the sacrifice and the sacrificer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, back to Hebrews, he is called the great high priest. Well, what did the priest do? The priests were the ones who made the sacrifice. So he's the priest and he's the sacrifice. Um, That's right. Which is very comprehensive so that we, we can see that, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this, but it's it's sometimes common, I think, for people to envision Jesus as being this sort of helpless victim who God just takes delight in pummeling mm-hmm. because somebody's got to suffer enough before God's not going to be mad anymore. Hmm. But for him to be the high priest, to be the sacrifice and the sacrificer, this is God himself That's right. absorbing yes. God's own judgment against sin, not just beating up yes. you know, poor Jesus because somebody's got to hurt enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God himself absorbing God's own judgment yeah. for sin. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, as 1 Peter 1 goes on to say, we were redeemed not with perishable things, yeah. but with the precious blood of Christ. We have, as you so beautifully explained to us just a few minutes ago, we have been restored like there is a restoration that takes place a reconciliation with god and that restoration is not limited to us it includes us but it also includes all things yeah. and so these last two reading days this last section of our this is the gospel reading plan is restoration and day 11 the title is jesus secures our peace with god and so that full the restoration of that full humanity that relationship that was broken the the death that we experienced in our relationship to God is restored in Jesus. And I love that word secure. It goes back yes. to that first Peter passage like yes. that is imperishable, like unfading, just cannot be kept in heaven for you. I can't mess this up. Yeah. Yeah. And even as I say it, yeah. I pray in my mind, like I believe, Lord help my unbelief. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. I can't mess this up. Mm-hmm. Let's read some of it. Dr. Payne, would you read John 14, 27 for us? Sure. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. I mean, what words from Jesus, from our sacrifice? I do not give to you as the world gives. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The Colossians 1 passage, I'm grateful and also not surprised to see that In this day, from verse 13 of Colossians 1, it says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And there's the centrality of Christ that you'll read on this reading day. If you've been reading with us for any stretch of time, you are familiar with this passage because it's beloved to us. Mm-hmm. I have no affection uh, for this passage. Just there kidding. Is, I love it so much. There is in verse <laughs> a couple of little things like where it says um, in verse 17, by him all things hold together. Mm-hmm. And then verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. I'm excited to read this on this day because those of you who— know our editorial reading plan, um, we know that the very next study following This is the Gospel is called This is the Church. And so next week, we're going to be starting a five-week reading plan that flows out of This is Mm -hmm. the gospel, but it asks, what does Scripture tell us about what does it mean to be the church? What is the church? And this starts us on that path as we're reading about the the making all things new and what role we have, um, we get to play in that between the two Mm -hmm. advents of Christ. Anyway, this Colossians 1 passage makes me excited about what we're going to start reading next week. Yeah, yeah.
that verse 20 from that passage and through, well, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, Hmm. whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Yeah, it, it again speaks to the the unlimited extent to which God's reconciliatory work in Christ goes when he talks about through Christ everything all all things in heaven and on earth which I mean is the gospel focused on us God's image bears yeah yeah it is and there is a sense in which everything that sin has affected in creation, any anywhere mm-hmm. in all reality, anything that sin has affected, all the cascading, echoing effects of the fall get restored through Christ. He's dealt with everything that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I love the um the enthusiasm, it feels like, that Paul states that in you can Ephesians. Count on Paul for some enthusiasm. I mean, a lot of times, yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> Ephesians um chapter two, which I'm just gonna read a little bits and pieces of it, that in verse thirteen, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Mm. In verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body and through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Mm-hmm. So even the hostility that we have with God, the hostility that we have with one another, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that in Jesus, all of us, you yeah. know, that we have access to God in one spirit. In and, verse 19, mm-hmm. so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the Mm -hmm. saints, and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Yeah. This is the church. This This is what comes of the gospel. The putting hostility to death really gets me fired up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we cannot, cannot, will not refuse to skip the last day, even if we are running out of time, because <laughs> all creation will be restored. Amen. Hands, praise hands in the air. Yes. Um, Amen. Yes. And so we we absolutely have to read some of this and hear from you, Dr. Payne, on just... I feel like what I want to ask you to do is just kind of broaden our understanding of what this means, that all creation will be restored. Well, I'm glad you you have in the study guide Revelation 21 the new, on the new creation, because we yes, see... Yes, we love Revelation yeah, 21. Yeah, <laughs> we see right there in, in 21 and 22 some of the same imagery that we saw in the creation narrative. So that's right. You know, mm-hmm. when when everything is wrapped up and restored, we're not looking at a return to the garden. We're looking at the garden being fulfilled. The trajectory that was established in the garden gets completed and fulfilled. And that thing that we talked about last week, where like God said, be fruitful and multiply, and yeah. like that that was meant to extend, fill the earth, fill yeah. the earth, and oh, I love that. So okay, the, yes, yeah. So the garden gets extended, and you know when we think about the hope of the gospel, Revelation twenty one and twenty two are crucial passages, um, yeah. Because going back to a few minutes ago, what I said about going to heaven. Being with the Lord after we die is a really comforting promise, but that's yeah. not the end game. Mm-hmm. Um, even the saints who've gone, or even before. being with the people that we love after we die. Like I think yeah. sometimes we find hope in heaven with the people who have gone before us, which falls so short, right? Yeah, it's 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 crucial. I mean, I I just lost my elderly father back in October. And it's a great comfort to me to even think about what it's like to be him right now and to be with, because right. I know my dad was looking forward to seeing his parents and his younger brother again mm. after so many years away from them. But that's not the, you know, wonderful as that is, that's not the end game. The end game of the gospel is the new heavens and new earth. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's 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 our resurrection. It's our you know our physicality that we get to be fully restored as creatures God intended us to be, and to be fully alive to God without the you know the encumbrances of sin. Yeah. With perfect knowledge. It's it's like you said earlier. This too is the whole package. Yeah. Like it is all yeah. of those things, but but to truly be in the presence of God. Like Adam and Eve were in the garden, but in a like in a fully, completely restored way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know something else that's um, maybe maybe worth thinking about is the continuity between the life to come, the new heavens and new earth, and the current order, the current you know our current life. I can't speak for all Christians, but I know that the tradition I grew up in it was one based on discontinuity where we tended to see this current life in all of its broken, fallen state as pretty much just, you know, God's going to trash the whole thing, just torch it all, and then just start over. Right. Which which kind of made us into modern versions of the ancient Gnostics who despised the material world and only wanted yeah. to deal with spiritual things. But I think the stronger argument is for a continuity when— Peter does talk about God refining the earth by fire. Well, that's just as much possible as a refinement as it is a discarding. Uh, I don't think yes. we've got mm-hmm. biblical evidence mm-hmm. that God's going to just incinerate and trash everything he created. God's going to renew it, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which gives kind of a yeah. new integrity, a new value to things we do here, even work we do, doing work well. Yeah. Um, contributing to the common good, all kinds of things that are in keeping with who God intended us and created us to be originally, those have value, even if God still has yeah. to purify and, and that's right. you know, purge the whole thing. Right. Well, and historically, that's the way God works, right? Like, I mean, He takes us mm-hmm. <laughs> and works through and in us. And um, John Mark Comer, has his book called Garden City, and a lot of his other stuff talks about that. It's about, like, you know, it's in, and we've said here on the podcast lots of times, it's not, you know, not God will make all new things. But God will make, make all things, things new. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, it did not come from me, but it is it is handy yeah. and it's is helpful. That, is that kind of a handhold. I don't think it was him, but okay. he he says some. He but says aren't some you good thankful things. that that's true? Because that includes right. me. Like, because it includes me. He yeah. could make a new Rachel, but instead he's going to make Rachel new. Yeah, I'm so yeah. thankful. I am too. I am too. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for. I mean, the gospel, yeah. <laughs> and that we have. We have it written down. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's written in our hearts, but it's written in the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me excited about that campaign that we're doing with Illuminations to get the word translated into every language in our lifetime. Like, amen. yes, Lord, Lord amen. So. I yes. continue to slap the air yes. for those who can't see me. <laughs> but um, that, because this is our hope. Yeah. This is, you know, my friend Jamie Nato says, the gospel is all I have. Yeah. And it's true. It's true that the gospel, the gospel is what I have and yeah. it's enough. It's enough. And it's uh, not just our hope, you know, the three of us in this conversation. Right. It's not just the hope of those listening. No. It is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. And it's for us. It goes all the way back to last week when we talked about creation and every man and woman is created in Imago Dei, in the That's image right. of God, and that means worth, value, and dignity for every human, and that the gospel, that this making all things new will be for all of creation. Yes. I, it's, I mean, yes. thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Dr. Payne. I'm excited to go back and listen to this and take some notes. <laughs> Because you've given us so many good things to think about and just helpful ways to think of, you know, like we said, these very layered, complex concepts that are also really simple. And you've helped to make them simpler and fuller, I think, in my mind. And I'm really grateful. Simpler and fuller. I like that. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Payne. Thanks. Yeah. It's been been a pleasure. I'd love to just read. This is actually from the day 11 reading. I'd love to just read part of this Colossians 1, going back to Colossians 1 as a benediction over us as we conclude today. This is starting in verse 21. Actually, I would love it if you would read it for us, Dr. Payne, verses 21 through 23. This is the gospel. This is one of the times, one of the many times where Paul gives us kind of a gospel in a nutshell moment um, that I would love for you to read 
for us, if you would. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled to you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Amen. Lord, help us to not be shifted away <laughs> from our one true hope. Yeah, you're here. And I'm just I'm so thankful that when God looks at me, He sees Christ. I'm covered it's by His blood. Yeah, His righteousness imputed to us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Y'all listening, I am so thankful that we got these two weeks together to do this. I hope that this is like a little anchor point for our community. Anytime you need a reminder, anytime you are ministering to a friend and they need to get a clearer picture of what the gospel is, I hope this is a resource for our community to go into the world and preach this gospel to all nations. And so if this is something that can be helpful for you to share the gospel, I hope, Lord, let that be true. And let it preach to yourself, as we talked about last week, rehearsing the gospel to ourselves and to each other, reminding each other of what is and what has happened and what is going to happen. Y'all, next week, Amanda, we are starting this study that I am so excited about. We've been looking forward to this one for a I, while. I yeah. cannot oversell this because I am really excited. <laughs> we are going to begin a five-week series called This is the Church, and I cannot wait for you all to understand and see what we have seen as we have just looked at Scripture and asked, what does Scripture actually say about what is Christ Church? What does it not say? And what does it call us to? It defines our identity, and our identity defines our actions or, yeah. or informs our actions. Y'all, we are going to come back next week with episode one of that series, and I'm really happy to tell you— we asked the one and only Jessica Lamb to come back and be our guest. She was our guest last week. She was too good, so she, we were making her come we back. We literally, <laughs> we all, almost literally twisted her arm to, to come and be, not really, she was willing to come. But she's going to kick off this series with us, and I think you're going to love it. Anyway, come back next week. But until next week, Dr. Payne, thank you for coming and for being a guest with us and for teaching us and chatting with us. Um, my pleasure. Until next week, Dr. Payne, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Keep opening your Bibles.